inspire. Welcome back to Starting Now. I'm your host, Jeff Saris. This is the show where I talk to entrepreneurs to reveal the unexpected paths to entrepreneurship. Today, my guest is Craig Benzing. Craig is better known as Wheezy Waiter on YouTube, and he is a YouTuber, a filmmaker, a, a musician. He is hilarious. Like, he is such... He's, his channel is so much fun. Like, I, if you haven't seen it already, definitely, definitely check it out. But we dive into his entire story, where he started, how he started creating videos over 14 years ago, and how he found himself on YouTube and growing over time, and how he's had to adapt to adjust to sort of the changing landscape of what is working on YouTube, what the audience wants, and also keeping himself fulfilled and driven. This is a great conversation. So without further ado, my conversation with Craig Benzing. Yeah, it's wild how much you do. Like it just, it really, how much you have done and how much you do, like the daily stuff with Patreon and the, the podcast and everything. So like we'll dive into that in a little bit, but I wanted to start yeah. with one question. Okay. Favorite board game? I play a lot of board games, or I used to play a lot of board games back when I was with people. Um, <laughs> but uh, probably, I guess if I had to go back to classics, the one that really kicked it off for me was Settlers of Catan. Yeah, so. isn't that like that is the gateway, especially like yeah. time frame? Like when did you start playing? Uh, I started playing Settlers of Catan probably uh, 12 years ago, mm -hmm. or maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, and then from there, and then I started playing Carcassonne, and then I started playing, um, uh, well, one that I'm into lately is, or in the past several few years has been Zolkin. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, game. Mayan Calendar. Yeah, that, I think that game's great. I there was a group of people. We lived in Austin for like a year and a half, and there was a group of people we met with like every Saturday and played board games. Oh, that's awesome! Um, like, and a lot of them like, uh, what is it? Pandemic is that? Mm -hmm. That's one of them, right? Or Pandemic, uh, Power Grid, which are two very pertinent things for right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, like, so many games that we played. That I can't even think of. I can't. They're not coming to mind right now. But you know. oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever play the Resistance or Cosmic Encounter? I have not. Okay, no. they are awesome games. I I mean, I highly recommend them. They're social, so you need to have a group. Yeah. Obviously, haven't played either of those in a very long time. But yeah, the Resistance is purely uh, group dynamics. I just I love it. You're essentially you're good or bad, and yeah. the bad people know who each other are, and then you're just going around the table trying to convince people that you're good. Like that is the entirety of the game, but it that is really great. Fun. Yeah, it sounds like there's that there's that other game, Wolf. Oh, exactly. Uh, yeah, what what what's it called? I can't remember that. Um, werewolf. One werewolf. Yeah, it's werewolf. Are you yeah, to figure out where the werewolf is. And if you saw Secret yeah. Hitler, that actually sort of is taking the Resistance concept, which developed a little further from Werewolf, and then um, yeah. At doing at throwing in Hitler, which is great, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, definitely missing board games right now. I mean, yeah. Just, oh yeah, yeah. I have been. I, now that I think I'm thinking about it more, maybe I'll just say Zolkin is actually my favorite. Uh -huh. Lately, that's the one that I'm most. I would I would pick up the quickest if someone was like, "Hey, let's play Zolkin." I'm like, "Yes, right now." Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, I haven't played that one. I've heard such great things, but it has the gears, yeah. right? So it's yeah, like the, it has the gears. And I've only played it actually online. Uh, there's a website called Board Game Arena, mm -hmm. which friends, after we moved away from Austin, like we got together online to play that game. And that's how I learned how to play it. So I've never played it in person. It looks like it would be a lot of maintenance to, to set up the board. Uh -huh. but uh the but it's just so good i love the game I, oh. I would sit there and obsess over my next move because it was online and it was go i had all the all day to think about it like, <laughs> what am i going to do next you know <laughs> nice so then were you playing asynchronously or were people sitting there waiting for you no we were just asynchronous okay, just yeah. anytime like yeah mm -hmm. yeah i haven't done that yet but i mean it seems it seems fun I have to try that. It, is, it also could consume your thoughts and distract <laughs> you, so maybe not great. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Wheezy Waiter, Craig Benzine, yes. what what is it that that you do? How do you? Because you have. Let me actually just go down a little list of just some of the projects you've done over the years. So, Wheezy Waiter mm -hmm. has been going on for thirteen years or or more now, maybe. Um, yeah, a little. Uh, yeah, almost fourteen, probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you have Wheezy News as your podcast. You have 
<laughs> you have had these other channels, Wheezy Gamer, Always Wheezy. You have Driftless Pony Club. You did the Dread Stuff, Crash Course, U.S. Government and Politics, Algorithm, the Platoon <laughs> of Power Squadron, and Big Qu the Big Question with Mental Floss. You've done wow! You've done your, you've done your research. You've done a couple <laughs> things. Just you know, just just a few <laughs> things over the years. Yeah. How did we get here? How did you become this creator? This I'm mean, very prolific creator over these years. Uh, well, do you want me to just tell me my story, the whole story? Yeah, just the origin that? story would be great to start there. Okay. All right. Well, I, um, so I went to school UW Madison for radio, television, film, communication, communication arts, radio, television, film. Um, and I got a job through that as how I kind of learned basic skills and mainly editing. I discovered like my love for video editing and I got a job editing in college and the, and I was in a band called, still am called Driftless Pony Club. And, uh, we decided to move to Chicago just to see what we could do as a band. So I left my job, waited tables in Chicago. And so it was sort of a repressed creative energy, a video, a video creative energy that I, that I had for a while, just waiting tables, trying to make it as a band. It wasn't really working. In the back of my mind, I always had this idea, like, what if I made a movie called, I called them movies. What if I made a movie every day and just put it on the internet, see what happens. And I, it's just something that I never really motivated myself to do until one really bad work shift day. Uh, I went, I went in and it was Memorial day. I remember it very vividly. I went in, uh, and I had zero tables and they sent me home and they said, don't come back tomorrow. And I was, wasn't making very much money. I was, it was living month, like paycheck to paycheck basically. And well, tip is tip money, but paycheck to paycheck basically. And, uh, then I came across Zay Frank. Uh, do you, you're aware of Zay Frank? Mm -hmm. Um, he was the year before he had made a video every weekday and put it up on blip.tv, which uh, is like right around the beginning of YouTube, like 2006-ish. And uh, also during that time, I was making really dumb, really absurd videos with my band for a separate channel called Sam Bone Jr., which still exists. I don't know if all those, I think all those videos are still up there. I don't recommend, well, I think you should watch them. It's just very weird. It was very weird. Um, but uh <clears throat> There, there's mostly band-related stuff up there now, but um, I watched the Zay Frank's videos, and I was—I don't—I've never been more inspired in my life. I think all that repressed creative energy was was coming out, and I was like, okay, I, I just gotta—I gotta make things now because I have all these skills that I'm not using. Um, I think if I—if it wasn't for YouTube, if it wasn't for the internet, at some point in there, I probably would have decided to make a move to LA and try to make it in the entertainment industry in some way, uh, which has which is now the traditional industry, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to have it all. So I stayed in Chicago, stayed with the band, but also wanted to make these videos. So then I just started making videos, putting them on Blip TV at first, like say Frank did. I wasn't even putting them on YouTube at first. And um, I every weekday for like the first month, five weeks or so, I made videos and just cranked them out there. No one, like very few watch people watch them, but my friends like them. And some of my friends, this is, this is, I'm going, giving you everything here. Oh yeah, so, this is perfect. So, okay. <laughs> some of my friends, uh, I had a couple of friends who worked at a web development company make, making websites for local businesses around Chicago. And uh, their boss was like, we need a video guy basically. And they're like, hey, we know a guy. So then I got a job that, so I moved from waiting tables to that office job still no not really anybody watching my videos but around that time i found it i um there was a there was a blog called youtube reviewed which doesn't exist anymore but they were reviewing various uh channels and they had they had a they had a following a, a small decent decent enough following i guess and some some bigger youtube people read their blog and I messaged them about me making videos. They put me on the front and they made a, wrote a big positive thing about my videos. And then the next day I woke up to 97 emails and it was, <laughs> it was someone tweeted this guy, Corporal Cadet, I'm going detailed here. This guy, <laughs> Corporal Cadet in Australia, in New Zealand, uh, who was, he had like 25,000 subscribers at the time, which to me was like 
amazing. Like I was like, that's, that's the dream. And uh, he tweeted about me. And so then that's, that got me the 97 emails the next day. And I, and I was like, it was like the best moment of my life. Can can you hear a baby moaning in the background? I can, but it's all good. Three year old. (laughs) (laughs) It's just real, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, um, (laughs) don't worry. Uh, Her mom is, is with her. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And it was like the best moment of my life. Like this thing that I had been working on finally got attention of some kind. So then I started making videos the uh, before work every morning. I just, I just got up every week. I'm like, I'm just going to make this, I'm just going to make this my living. I'm going to keep working at it until it becomes a living. Cause I, I didn't love, Oh, I'm now the dog is barking. <laughs> oh my God. This happened last time I did a podcast. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. It, it seems like this is when it happens. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Unless maybe it happens all day and I only notice while we're do- while I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but I woke up early before work every morning, and um, uh, because I discovered I didn't love office life either, and mm-hmm. and I wanted to I wanted this to be the thing, um, and so I I would just wake up, come up with an idea, make it, get it done before I went to work, and some days while at work finishing the video finishing up the video um until like since the point where i got that initial boost from that blog it took about a year and a half like it went from i i I bumped up to like actually subscribers on youtube for the first time ever and then this was after i had had made like 100 videos is when that blog hit and i finally got some audience Mm -hmm. like so I had 32 subscribers up until then on YouTube. And then I had slowly, I, I got it up to like 10,000 subscribers. Um, and then was after this, like a year. Was this like a tight window after that feature? Or is this over years? Uh, no, after, it was pretty soon after. I don't remember how long, maybe a few months. Oh, nice. Uh, after the blog, I, I gradually, it was a pretty consistent ramp up because I was making videos very consistently during when I had that momentum. Um, and then it kind of staggered cause I stopped, I wasn't making that many videos. Um, no, I, I was still making, still kind of cranking them out there, but, uh, but it kind of slowed down after a little while. And then I remember the, it was 2009, I, January, 2009, I made an ultimatum to my audience. I said, uh, if I get the beginning of January, if I get to, 100,000 subscribers by the end of January, I will make a video every weekday for the rest of the year. Wow. And that's what, I still had the office job. I was still making them in the morning before going to work. Um, so I'd get up like four hours. I could get up at like 5 a.m. and work until I, I could I could be at work at the latest at 10 a.m. So like I had like five hours. Uh, and by the end of January, because I did that, some people on YouTube promoted me and I would, I ended up, I think I, I had around 10,000 subscribers, but I, end of January, I had about 40,000. So I didn't get the 100,000, but it was still growing. So I just kept, I just kept going anyway. I kept making videos. And then by um, summer-ish, I was at like 70,000 subscribers and I was able to make enough money, the amount of money I had made waiting tables nice um so i'm like I'm was that from like adsense or other things Ad, yeah okay yeah just basically just adsense mm-hmm. um and so then i'm like i'm gonna quit my job because i can i know i can make a living off of this not a great living but i can make a living off of this and so i did i i think i i transitioned out of my job i went down to like three days a week and then eventually quit my job I not that I hate my job. If if somehow my boss, old boss, listens to this or old coworkers, <laughs> great people. Uh-huh. But uh, it just wasn't office life. wasn't really for me. Um, but uh, then I, from then on, I just kept making videos and growing and growing and growing. And um, that was probably that was like eleven years ago when I finally did this. Started doing this full time and and here we are yeah it's i mean it's a amazing. whole lot has happened since then too, oh yeah but, for yeah. sure and we'll we'll <laughs> dive into more of that too but yeah. just to uh just to touch on the beginning a little bit more 
yeah. hundred videos before you really had the subscribers. What was keeping yeah. you going? Um, it was, it was fun. Uh, and I guess I just still had a belief that it could work eventually. Like, um, I just had in my head what I watching Zay Frank videos or seeing other YouTubers cropping up, Philip DeFranco, the Vlogbrothers, um, seeing what they did. I just thought I, I loved what they did, but I thought I could do it too. I just, I just kind of thought like, I think I'm good at this. I'm just going to keep going, you know? Um, and looking back, I, I think I thought I was better than I was, <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I've, I've gotten better from doing it so much. Um, and yeah, I just, I blind belief that I could do it. And, uh, I, and I had fun. I think that was what kept me going. Yeah. Yeah. That consistency is so valuable just with anything. Yeah. I mean, it's something oh. that I think people really, really miss out on. And we, mm -hmm. the reason I like to talk about the story, like the journey is it's not like someone will follow your exact path because it's a, it's a winding path to get to here over many years. But yeah we we glance over the like the actual struggle the actual like no no no. you're going in every morning or waking up every morning putting in the effort and sticking with it over yeah. time so it's hugely hugely valuable yeah and i i think after i started getting an audience that helped motivate me to get up early and make those videos because i was seeing new people show up and people strangers excited about what i was making for the first time in my life so it was just like really motivating mm-hmm yeah. So at what point did you start doing some of the other side projects and bring in other revenue beyond AdSense? Um, I think there, well, there were, there were little, uh, sources of other revenue throughout, like early on, I would, I got like really small sponsorship opportunities and that sort of, that gradually just kind of got bigger. Um, uh, trying to think. Like, yeah, so right now, my, my, my main sources of revenue are, well, okay, we'll say early on, 2010, 2011. No, that's a little too late. 2009, <laughs> 2010, main sources of revenue were AdSense and sponsors. Sponsors didn't come in a whole lot until, until I got up to like the 100,000 range subscribers, I think. I, I'm trying to remember... It's hard to remember when and what sponsors I got back then. Oh yeah, that's but, fine. <laughs> but but I was getting them during that time. It's just they they gradually grew just as as the subscribers and the AdSense grew mm -hmm. as well. Um, until like, and that's really the only revenue I was getting, even with all these side projects. Like all these side projects weren't really money makers; they were just fun things to do. Uh, so it's pretty much AdSense and sponsors. Um, I, I don't remember when I started, when I did Crash Course. I did Crash Course. Hank and John just asked me to host Crash Course. Uh, so I did Crash Course Government um, and then later Crash Course Film History. Uh, and at the same time, I did Mental Floss, which was also run by the Vlogbrothers, the, the, the YouTube channel. So I, I hosted some of that. and. Uh, that was around 2014, 15, I think. So like before then it was mainly just AdSense and views, yeah, AdSense and, and sponsors. And those opportunities were because you guys got to know each other through, essentially through YouTube, I assume, right? Cause you came up around a similar time. Well, like the you mentioned. Vlogbrothers? Yeah. yeah. The Vlogbrothers relationship kind of started very early on. When I first got that initial, um, bunch of subscribers, I, I I saw the word nerd fighter everywhere and I'm like, what's a nerd fighter? And uh, then I, that's how I found the Vlogbrothers. Their fan base is called nerd fighters or uh, they don't use that. I don't know if they use the term a whole lot as much anymore. I don't, I guess they kind of do still if they just gotten so big now. But, um, but uh, I was like, what is a nerd fighter? I messaged, I found Vlogbrothers, I messaged John Green and I said, hey, it uh, seems like a lot of these nerd fighters like what I'm doing. And he messaged me back and he liked what I was doing. I think that's how he found me. And then from then on, we've just been friends. So, yeah, nice. Um, uh, and yeah, because of that, they've brought me lots of opportunities and I'm very grateful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and having building up that network, building the connections, like 
I like to bring it up a lot on the on the show because there's sort of a cynicism when it comes to people might say it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I'm mm-hmm. always like, no, 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 it's both because we can be doing great stuff. But if we have no way to connect with the broader the broader world or industry or whatever it is, we're really just in an echo chamber. It's really hard to get out. So like connection is so valuable. Mm-hmm. Have you um, have you found sort of because you do have your own brand, your own like wheezy everything that is all you have you uh have you found any more uh networking things that you've done through throughout the years that have sort of played into what you're doing um yeah i mean it's mostly a lot of relationships i've developed with other youtubers Mm -hmm. uh partial i think a big part of that is like the conferences like playlist live in Orlando or VidCon, the big what the big YouTube conference started by the Vlogbrothers. Um but through that I've met a lot of a lot of people. Um I've collaborated with in the past year a couple times with Jack Conti and Natalie Don, his his wife, Pomplamus. Um he's also the founder of Patreon. Uh, I met them at Playlist Live. I mean I knew I knew them before then, but I, mm-hmm. I met them and and we kind of, we just became friends and then we've collaborated uh i was on Rhett and Link's good mythical morning because of because of playlist live i mean we had we had we've we had worked on small things before that just through email like i did a voice for them for a uh no it wasn't a voice it was a character i did a this character this evil wizard for one of their videos a long time ago it was just because it, it we just i think early days of youtube there was a lot more of that collaboration going on between there are just fewer fewer people making stuff and you were kind of aware of everybody and and uh you could there's just more interaction i think now the collaborations are a little different and youtube it's just an entirely different world oh yeah but uh it, but uh yeah i think it's just mostly just developing relationships with other youtubers i guess if we want to go i guess more back end um so that you know uh mystery guitar man um joe penna he's is a youtuber he doesn't make as many youtube videos now now he's making movies uh but uh he uh his wife sarah penna started a youtube network called big frame um which doesn't exist anymore but i got i i was friends with joe and then became part of big frame which helped me get a lot of sponsors and stuff and now i have a manager who used to work at big frame who it's basically basically how it works for me now is he he finds me lots of sponsorship opportunities and helps me with various projects so all because of just networking and being friends with people and yeah. working and being and just collaborating for often not no payment early on yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's hugely valuable like you're yeah. you're helping other people you're doing things together but yeah not just in it for the money all the time right. um right. that is something with the sponsorship so you have the the agent you say manager or agent i forget we said the man I, I would call him a manager okay but yeah kind of works like an agent i suppose okay yeah so then he goes yeah. out and seeks the different opportunities and presents them to you um yeah whether whether or not you want to use them and yeah i mean that's really good because we are limited by our time by so, like that's the threshold and you are producing yeah. so much you also have your patreon so right now could you actually run through um the different uh revenue streams that you have um well the main the biggest one if you would have talked to me in 2011 it would have been adsense probably but now it's it's sponsors it's, it's probably the biggest source and then adsense and then patreon probably mm-hmm. so yeah uh and then that's pretty yeah that's pretty much it uh, it gets confusing if i look at all my like 1099s at the end of the year it's coming from multiple sources but most of those are different sources of uh sponsors so um yeah yeah I, it's it's that's the the main ones just um uh sponsors adsense patreon yeah, yeah and then sense. i guess if i were to like some years if i'm able to host something like crash course or uh which i haven't done well not a whole lot of travel or any, anything like that going on this past year. So that, that would be another source is sort of is like hosting or acting in something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So throughout the years, your style, like sort of what you're producing on YouTube, it's 
always it's always been funny you're just you're a naturally extremely <laughs> funny person always cracking jokes and doing things and it's just they're very engaging and entertaining but you were doing more scripted kind of stuff early on or maybe not scripted but you had some scripted things in there and now you've moved into more the personal development and things what was the where was that turning point because it was um it seemed like a pretty a pretty big shift for you well, if we want to continue my story along, uh-huh. so, so uh, 2010, 2009, 2010, I went full-time. I would say the heyday, the first heyday of Wheezy Waiter, there's two heydays. <laughs> first, the first, the first peak was probably 2011, 2012, maybe 2013, when I was still doing that style that, that was inspired by Zay Frank, which is sort of like put out as many things as possible, put out like sometimes every weekday, sometimes I was doing three times a week. Um, and being silly, absurd, talking about news, talking about it, having a lot of inside jokes, a lot of sketches involving clones of myself, uh, explosions, silly punching eagles, silly things that I used to do. And, um, and that was, yeah, that was working very well from like 2010 to 2013. And then I continued doing it for probably way too long, but I continued doing it until like 2018. Um, I was, I was just, it it was on the channel was kind of declining. I could see that, you know, this kind of thing is not what the world is that interested in anymore, except for the people who have been around a while and even they are dwindling. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, then I, I kind of went through a little, little crisis where I'm like, well, I don't know what else I should do. I don't know. If I even want to make videos anymore, it, it started stopped being kind of doing fun, being fun, doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and I switched it up. I played around with different styles. Like I, I did the Casey Neistat style for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- several months I did where I would basically, basically ripped off his style. Like I just, I was documenting my life in a more like, like taking my life, and making it a documentary, basically putting music to it, making each day really fun. That wore on me very quickly. Well, not very quickly, but it did wear on me where at some point I was like, I don't know. And that's actually when I met you, uh-huh. I believe. Yeah, it is. It was around the, t- of the time when I was making those that style of video. Uh-huh. Um, and that uh, it started to wear on me because I started to um, not know where my life ends and the, vid- the video making begins. Like I was, I was making, I was doing things because it would be good for a video. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, and my because I'm making a video, I'm making a video about my life, but my life is making videos. So it was like it became, it felt like it was about nothing. Um, yeah, Casey and, made made it look so just easy. Like, oh it, yeah, like he would just have like this three like act story arc and everything, and have a reason yeah. for every day. And then, like, I would think I would look at my life and be like, I like seriously, I'm just sitting in this chair coding. Like, I have no yeah. like no story arc to today. There's nothing, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, but in reality, he was he was barely sleeping and he was mm-hmm. editing probably four to six hours a day. Yeah, like and that's what I was doing pretty mm-hmm. much. Uh, uh, and and it was doing a little better than the videos I was doing previously, but it didn't. I mean, it was it wasn't huge and it wasn't that fun, and it was also already done by Casey Neistat, so I was like, I don't know. Uh, and I so then. I went, I kind of oscillated back and forth between that style and then back to the old style. And I still just couldn't figure it out. But then I finally decided, I think what I was most afraid of was reducing the amount that I was putting out. Cause I was putting out, I was always putting out multiple videos a week and I was worried that reducing would people would just go away. Like Mm -hmm. to me, my, my, the model in the back of my mind of what works on YouTube was uh, constant updates, constantly being around. So people remember that you exist. Um, and then eventually I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to stop for a while. I'm going to take a month off, make, make one video, spend a lot of time on it. Um, and I, I had the back in the back of my mind, an idea to do, um, these like month long documentaries where I tried to try something for a month. And then, I mean, initially the idea was I try it for a month and I make videos while I'm trying it like in Casey Neistat style or whatever. And then at the end, make a whole documentary about the whole experience. That just seemed like a ton of work. So I didn't do the the actual daily updates about it. I just decided to do it and then make one big video about it. 
Um, and the first one of those I did was quitting added sugar for a month. And it, that's, this is peak number two of the wheezy waiter. This was <laughs> that, that video blew up beyond my belief, my wildest dreams. Like it was, it's still by far the most viewed thing I've ever done. Oh, really? Um, and so yeah. did that blow up right away or was it sort of a slow build? Uh, it was, uh, in the initial response was bigger than what I had done, had been doing up to that point. Um, but not like mind blowing. It was just like back to like old wheezy peak levels. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then it went to the front page of Reddit. Oh, nice. And then, yeah. So that was after about a week while it was up. And then, and then it blew up very quickly after that. And then the channel, I got a lot of new subscribers. I was sitting at around 590,000 subscribers for like five years. I had been sitting at that, like it, it hadn't grown because mm -hmm. I'd been doing the same stuff. And then 2018, I made that video, may, continued making several videos like that and some other, another style of video, the why do people like series. So th this was like the, I try something for a month series. Then there's the why do people like series, which is more like an in-depth figuring out why people like various things. Such as popping um, pimples. <laughs> I love the yeah, kind of things that you choose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I was doing both of those. So 2018, I had 590,000 subscribers. And then by 2020, I hit a million. Yeah. Congrats too. I, I like that you did, you did the event sort of when it was happening, you're watching it. Like that's, I, yeah. that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the gold play button's right over there on the oh, yeah. shelf. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I see the other ones in the, yeah. over your left shoulder yeah. there. Yeah. Very <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, because that had to be rough when you were sitting at, I mean, 590,000 subscribers. That's nothing to like scoff at. That is an amazing amount of subscribers, but sitting there for so long, like how, how did that and, weigh and on you? And it felt like, well, it, it did, I, I kind of stopped caring about subscribers just because it wasn't moving. And also it seemed like YouTube stopped caring about subscriber counts. Like the subscriber system kind of started going away and it became more about a recommended and trending page stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was more I was more concerned just about the the decline of views that was happening over years. Just like constant, there seemed like nothing. There was nothing I could do to turn that around. Um, and got a <laughs> got a kid yelling. Yeah. Um, oh no! Sorry about that. No, it's all uh, good. And and um, uh, so I was more concerned about the decline in views and the but the but that subscriber count not moving was just. It was frustrating for sure. It was uh -huh. like, ah, oh, what, what? But it was all one thing. It was all I'm doing. I'm not doing. I'm doing something wrong here, or I can be doing something better than. And I think what it ended up being that I could do better was get up, get over the idea that I have to be putting things out all the time. Early on, that helped me find the audience and motivation and uh, get good, get better at what I'm doing. Um, but after at, at a certain point, I. And I think YouTube in general changed and became more about long form stuff. And I just was afraid to make that leap to just uh, do do one thing great rather than try to do several things, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what does your process look like today then? I'm sure because you have so many ideas. I, I guess I sort of want to start is where do you come up with your ideas to continuously have a new challenge, a new, why do people like, like, yeah, what's your process? Uh, well, coming up with ideas is not, it's just something it's hard to know where that comes from, but, mm -hmm. but, uh, it's just thinking about it all the time. Just <laughs> what, well, what, what would make a good video? Like for why do people like, it tends to be, uh, uh, it just has to be something I'm interested in and that I think I could make a good video about. Cause sometimes the, 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 the question, why do people like just doesn't seem like it would lead to a good video. Like why do people like Christmas? Yeah. I mean, come on. It's just Christmas. <laughs> uh, That's your TikTok although, channel. <laughs> Why do people like I, Christmas? Come on. Yeah, it's just Christmas. Come, yeah. 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 There you go. It might actually be a good video. Just, <laughs> come on. It's Christmas. Um, uh, I don't know. I just think about, I'm just thinking about it all the time. And also with, uh, with the month long challenges, I think my main priority is not necessarily coming up with what it, 
what I think would do well on YouTube. It's more what I actually care about. Like what I think I would, I would be passionate about while I'm making the video. So um, like quitting at, I'm, I'm trying to eat, I've been trying to eat better, be healthier. And I recently did, uh, or I did intermittent fasting video, which has done really well. Um, and that was legitimately because I had done intermittent fasting in the past and I noticed that it worked for me. So I, so I wanted to do that. Um, the, uh, uh, what was the recent one? Oh, the working out. I started working out for the past half a year for the first time ever, like an actual workout routine. And so I made that into a couple videos. I'm got, I got another one coming that I'm going to be doing in a few months for that. Um, but that's all just sort of like, what do I, what am I looking for improvements in my life? Like, what do I think I, I want to do to improve myself? So that's kind of where a lot of those ideas come from. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I just sit down. I write, I just brainstorm ideas. I'll just, I'll just type a lot of them out. I, I use uh, Trello, you know, Trello. I've heard of it. I'm not familiar though. Um, uh, the, it's an, it's an app that's mostly used for, um, uh, like, I think workplace, like planning big projects for, with groups, but it actually works really well for just me for ideas. It's cause it's, uh, it's, it's, it's basically like lists, glorified lists. Uh, and so I'll have lists of different types of videos. And then I'll just, if I come up with one, I'll just add it to that list. I have so many written down way too many. Cause I'll go <laughs> to them later and I'm like, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. But every time one occurs to me, I'll just throw it in there. And then when I'm in like idea, like what's my next several videos going to be mode, I'll, I'll go look at that list and I'll go down the line and I'll just try to figure out if that one's good, that one's good, that one's good. And I'm, I'm discovering, so this is in the past few years, relatively new for me to actually sit on an idea for a while and think about it rather than get an idea, put it up on, make a video, put it up right away. And so I'm discovering that a lot of ideas seem great at first. And then when you dig into the details, like uh, this wouldn't work at all this is just this is just not a good this won't make a good video or this is not interesting or the answer to the question i'm asking is not known and doesn't seem like anyone really is trying to find out so i'm, I'm just not going to you know mm -hmm. yeah you i feel like you did a video too that didn't have an answer at the end but you you somehow did find a way to wrap it up which um, yeah. like well that's uh that's another thing i'm doing is like mo i think uh, several videos do not have satisfying conclusions that I've made. I'm, but I, I've made it a goal to be honest, to just be mm -hmm. as honest as possible about it. Yeah, the video like, has a satisfying conclusion, but maybe not a conclusion it, to the question. Right. Mm -hmm. Like uh, a lot, a lot of the challenge videos we've done, we've discovered at the end. Like I had asked because my my wife China does them too. I, I had asked her like, uh, what, like how do you feel? Do you feel better? Do you feel like it improved? Like sometimes she's like, eh, eh really. <laughs> You know, uh -huh. but we did, we did an adult coloring book one. Um, we collaborated with Johnny Harris and is Harris also great YouTubers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they, they got a lot out of the adult coloring. At least they said they did on the video. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, China and I were like, at the end, we're like, I don't know, probably won't keep doing it. It's, mm -hmm. but we don't, we don't, we're trying to make it. There's a temptation to play it up at the end to be like this profoundly affected me in this way we try to avoid that as much as possible unless we're unless it really did like because uh, then i feel like we're more credible than if then once when it does work it'll be more powerful you know yeah absolutely um and like intermittent fasting for me was i think a lot of people say that it, it's not there's nothing magical about intermittent fasting but itself like scientifically it's it's really there's there's debate whether it's like it matters when you eat. It's more about what you eat and how much you eat. Um, but uh, for me, it works like mm -hmm. profoundly works well for me. So at the end of that, I'm like, yes, this is amazing. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've just been a natural, just intermittent 16, eight intermittent faster for a while. And yeah, it works really well for me, but then yeah. it does depend because like um, for women, for example, it's yeah. a lot trickier to get that, just right and depending on the time of the month and so many other like factors and variables go into it that it is hard because nothing is just the blanket like oh this is perfect for everyone but i think right. that's what makes your videos so engaging and why people love them is it's 
like what's working for like we're in your shoes we're following the law and we're seeing yeah. seeing the struggle whether it's through working out or through something else or whatever it is and yeah yeah there's a lot there's a lot to be said for letting someone into your life and having them yeah. like experience it through your eyes yeah and i also think like it's i care a lot about late a lot more lately than i used to about credibility and about um uh like I feel like the most credible thing I can do is just tell you my experience. Mm -hmm. I can't like I can say experts say this or um, show studies, whatever. But that's oh, that's not a lot of people could de try to debunk them or not believe them. But if I just tell you what I feel, this is I did this. This is how I feel about it. I, I feel like that's you can't debate that unless you, you just say that I'm lying. But but that's all you can do. <laughs> uh <-huh>. Yeah. So. <laughs> You've you've then blended the useful and the fun and entertaining. How do you balance that when you're when you're producing it? Because actually, though, I, there's one more thing I wanted to ask. Is there a lot of writing ahead of time, like before you're shooting and before you're sort of actually in the like the meat of the video? Depends on the video, um, but uh, like especially like the why do people like videos? Some of those have required a lot of writing, but. Mm -hmm. Like that's like the biggest process, research and writing. Um, uh, some videos, like we did, we did a decluttering video um, a few months ago. I don't know, uh, time has no meaning. Several <laughs> five months ago, maybe, which relied a lot more on just document, kind of like documentary footage. We just sat down and talked off off the cuff, and then I took that and spent a lot of time editing it, but I didn't really write anything beforehand. Um, sometimes like the experience videos, the ones where I'm actually doing, trying to do something for a month require less writing because it's more about just showing the experience. Um, but they generally require some writing, mostly just like transitions to different days, different if, or if I feel like information hasn't come out in the documentary footage, like quitting sugar, like describing what it is I'm actually quitting and what is added sugar. Like, so basically when I'm writing, I'm just, it's, I try to make it as technical as possible. I try to make it like, what does, what needs to be known here and put that in there. And then as far as balancing humor, I've, I, after years and years of just doing dumb humor videos, it just naturally comes in. Like, I don't even worry about uh, <laughs> making jokes. Like, that's just how I naturally write. That's just... <laughs> And so if I if I try to write jokes, it's going to be too many jokes. It's it's going to be it's going to be too ridiculous. I always go to the absurd if I if I let my imagination go. So I just try to focus on the technical, and then naturally the jokes will come. Yeah, and I love when you bring your parents in. It's it's just great. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. The phone. <laughs> this year this year I'm uh, so I've taken these two months off, um, but I for the first time ever I've planned out the whole year of videos. Like I know oh, wow. all the videos. That I'm going to be making, and I have four parent scenes already written. Three of them <laughs> shot. I'm having a parent scene in every video this this year. Nice. And I'm and it's going to have a whole story arc for the whole thing. Ooh, that's, that's I, fun. That's what I'm going for anyway. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Ooh, <laughs> I like that a lot. That's that's going <laughs> so to be that, fun. that definitely requires writing. Although I like to say that that's actually just how my parents are, and that's documentary footage. Oh yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, that's yeah, all it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it might be I might have to write for reenactments, but that's really how it how they are. Uh-huh. Did yeah. how did they have any sort of um initial pushback to being a part of it? Just cuz it is like I mean it's a lot of people are seeing the videos and like they have some really like silly absurd moments that they that they yeah. have on there. Well, I don't so they I did a video in my in my big shift to the the new style of videos. The first one I did wasn't actually the sugar video. The first one I did was why do people like haul videos? Mm -hmm. um, and that was their first appearance at, in the, not their first appearance in my videos, but the first scene of the kind of scenes that they do now. Um, and uh, I don't think they knew that the next one, the sugar one was going to have 10 million views. <laughs> but uh, so I don't know if they had known that, I don't know if they would have done it. Um, but they, they've always liked being in my videos these scenes are more demanding of them than what they've done in the past. And my mom, sometimes it's a little much for her because I, I give her long lines and, <laughs> and a lot of weird words to say. And like, and she, she gets 
I feel like it's gotten worse over time. <laughs> she gets kind of frustrated with it. So I'm trying to make it less frustrating as, as, as less frustrating as I can, but I don't know. I'm just going to keep going until they tell me to stop. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And do you ever, I mean, this is just like sort of a personal thing. Do you ever get lonely? Because like being on YouTube, you are behind, like you're like, you're the one entertaining everyone. You're giving yeah. like so much to everyone and educating and entertainment. But I don't know. I can't, because like I've worked, I mean, this, this is my gym slash office slash I move things oh, around too. for the podcast yeah. studio. So like... Yeah. But I'm in here all the time, and it's just me. I rarely talk to people. Like, yeah, do you do you experience any sort of uh, loneliness or anything? Uh, yes, I, especially the past year, mm -hmm. um, because we can't we barely leave the house. Uh, but um, yeah, I think it's it. Sometimes I think it would be nice if, when I'm shooting video, um if like there was someone who reacted around, you know, just like mm -hmm. someone, it'd be nice to see a reaction rather than be reading comments all the time. Uh, in the past though, I, I had, and also, I mean, there's several reasons I, that my life is, there are less people around. There's a pandemic, but there's also, we moved from Chicago. Well, we moved to Austin for a year and a half and now we live in Madison. Um, and we don't have as many friends, like all of my, most of my friends live in Chicago and Austin. So, so I don't, so I'm lonely for that reason. And also we have a three-year-old and we, our lives are surrounded by our, our daughter or is, is all about our daughter now. So we don't, so life is just different and we don't have the same kind of freedom or interaction that we used to have. Um, and in the past, if I felt lonely making videos, I could just call someone over and collaborate, uh, in Chicago, one of my friends or my band was, was more active back then. And we would, I'd have, we'd go on tours and we'd actually interact with people. Um, these days, yeah, it can get a little lonely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything you've done sort of during the pandemic that has sort of helped, uh, maybe spark the creativity sort of help you feel, uh, good again? I mean, I'm not trying to say like, it's a super like lonely, depressing time, but at the same time, people do are struggling with it. Like my girlfriend lives yeah. here. So like I have someone I see every yeah. day and we're always talking and yeah. like having fun. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, we're not seeing the, the greater like outside world like we once were. Yeah. Well, we, the only people we can really, we interact with is my parents. We'll go to my parents' house and that helps sometimes. Or, uh, we will have a Zoom game night with friends. We'll play like Jackbox TV or something, nice. if you know what that is. It, um, it's like you don't know Jack, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's they have some really good just games you can play through online. Um, and uh, um, that's pretty much it. Exercise, like that helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and with the game stuff, I just remembered, you were on Tabletop, Will Wheaton Show. Yeah. That, yeah. like... Because I had come across that, I think, later. And that just uh, sort of blew my mind a little bit. It's just awesome, like, seeing yeah. you in that world. Because, like, I love that show. That was such a good show. So entertaining. <laughs> yeah. I think it was... That was... The... Uh, I won. I won. Spoiler. Uh-huh, yeah. I, I played, I played uh, Kingdom of Tokyo. Uh-huh, yeah. Of Tokyo. Kingdom of Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, totally won. I played the night before just with friends, just to practice. That was the first time I ever played it. I was like, I tried to figure it out. Uh -huh. I, I guess it paid off. And yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Fun stuff. But yeah. All the opportunities that come up just from what you're doing. It's like very cool. Um, yeah. And that's kind of stuff, especially in the past year, not to keep bringing it up, but uh, it doesn't happen as very, very often, like going out and collaborating. I think once, once people start traveling more, I think a lot of collaborations are going to be happening. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's stuff sort of in the works, just waiting, <laughs> waiting yeah. to be released. So yeah. for someone who might be starting out just today, what kind of advice would you would you give them? I know it's like you've been you've been in this for a long time, but yeah. with the landscape, maybe just a couple little tips. Well, because YouTube's different now, and what worked for me to turn my channel around, I feel like could still work for someone who doesn't already have the built-in audience that I had when I turned my channel around. Um, I don't know that what I did when I started the first time would would work as well now just just putting stuff out there a lot <laughs> like for, uh i don't know that that would necessarily work i feel like youtube has become more 
sophisticated now and it and it wants more long form stuff it seems like um here i'll just i'll just say what i i uh said in the i made a video how did i turn my channel around i think it's called i don't remember the exact name of it but i had i think i had four principles that i made i don't remember the order of them but basically <laughs> one of them was um have a purpose have a purpose like for me like early on seems obvious but for me early on i did it was mostly about the purpose was the content basically it was mm -hmm. like just have fun and it was kind of i had a mantra dare to be pointless and it was like uh just make people laugh with my absurd jokes and put something interesting together that day be done with it move on to the next day now i feel like uh having a purpose is much more important um have it like because people the way people watch videos now they're so inundated with so much content that there has to be a good reason to click on your video there has to be a good some sort of insight or uh or or like if it's going to be if it's going to be comedy the comedy has to be sort of uh directed at something or about something um and and probably quicker and rather than a series of absurdities, non sequiturs, like I used to do. Um, but just have a purpose to effectively communicate that purpose with everything you do. That's the second thing I said, which means like, for me, that means like, especially titles and thumbnails. Um, I didn't really care about them. I didn't care about them at all early on. You couldn't even make your own thumbnail early on. Um, so I just kind of didn't think about that for a year, probably until it was way too late, until years after everyone was making thumbnails. Um, and and my titles were always just like thinking of something clever and witty, whether it was nonsense or not. Um, but now I try to make sure that my titles, which also seems obvious, but it's not always obvious to people, uh, just making my titles effectively communicate exactly what the video is about. Like it doesn't, I don't have a, any other rule than that other than I don't, I don't care if it's too long or too short, uh, just as long as it effectively lets you know what it's about. Uh, and like that could maybe seem clickbaity to people, mm -hmm. but to me, it's only clickbait if you're lying, if it's like, if you're saying something that isn't, the video isn't about you're playing yeah, up, sure. playing up something that really doesn't matter in the video. Um, yeah, I feel like just, thumbnails and titling is like a business in itself. I mean, it's like it's like yeah. a whole other thing to focus on because it takes a lot to get someone to click. Yeah, it does. And it's probably some would argue the most important thing would be the, the title of the video, probably. Um, and to me, when I first started, was the least important thing. That's something I didn't think about at all. Um, so make sure that you have a title that really and it isn't because you can i think i write down several titles and like look at them and analyze like what what would people think because it could you could accidentally make it seem like it means something else depending on how you word it um just like really think about the titles deeper than you probably used to uh and the thumbnail just again clearly convey what it is just don't try to be too shocking or not shocking enough, just convey what it is. That's all, that's all it, that's all it is. Um, Matt Deavella, uh inspired my new thumbnail style when I, nice. that I started with the, the sugar video, which really worked out, but uh, I loved his minimalist style of, of thumbnails, which was, uh, he had the, he had the text with a color blocks behind it. So it was clearly, you could clearly read it. And it was kind of over nothing like it wasn't overlapping anything the words weren't overlapping anything it's very and, and not too big there it is comfortable looking in the thumbnail um he doesn't really do words in thumbnails anymore but uh i still do <laughs> so uh i get in front of a white wall and try to try to fit the words if it's china and i both where i'm on one side she's on the other try to get the words right in between us maybe we're holding something or doing something that has to do with the video but the most important thing is just like clearly, boldly reading those words, conveying with our expression, with what we're holding, what the video is about. Um, and it seems obvious again, but like, I think sometimes you might like find a good image and then be like, 
ooh, let's put words in there too. And then you try to cram them somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think you need to think about it from beforehand where those words are going to go. If you're going to put words in, put them in, in a very comfortable place. Don't make it look con- cramped. Cause it's just, it's just nice to look at. And I feel like that draws people in. Um, and then the video itself, like, again, again, this probably obvious to people but it's not it wasn't always obvious to me like well and it's also uh, that's the thing like stuff seems obvious only in retrospect because like all of it it's really i mean it's so much more work to do these things like if you the video itself is the work you know Mm -hmm. so then to be like oh now i'm gonna hearing you oh i think uh it thought it thought you asked siri something oh okay i guess yeah um but yeah it's um yeah, the video is the work. So then when you're also investing all this time in the thumbnail and the titling, it feels like it's it's something else. It's like, no, I'm already done. I want to get the video out there. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's it's obvious at all. It's I think it's really good advice. Yeah, well, well, think, but even even with the content of the video, like always every decision I make, like what should I talk about next? What should I talk about first? I try to get deep think as deeply as possible about what is this video about? What is the point of this video? What what, what are people going to get out of this video? Cause it's, that's always, it's not always obvious. Like it's mm-hmm. um, you can, you can easily go down different tangents on different subjects and lose sight of what's actually valuable about this video. Um, and another effective thing is like drawing people in right away. The uh, uh, cause watch time is important. And if you'll, if you notice the sugar video I made, the very first thing ha- that happens is us all sitting around the table, me and my wife and my daughter, and um, it, and it says day twelve, and China's like hitting her head on the <laughs> table, and then and then it cuts back to the beginning after that. So it's like, well, and Casey Neistat used to do that a lot, just show a cool thing that happens later in the video right away, and then you're like, okay, how did they get to there? Um, and that that keeps people around, um, and. So you're just recognizing what it is that people are intrigued by about the thing you're doing and try to make sure that that's always the focus when you're making the thing. Um, and so those are the like the first two principles that I decided I was going to do. And then the third one was, um, don't, I think I'm forgetting one, but what, but one of them is don't worry about time um, in the sense that uh, for me, it was don't worry about scheduling. I don't have a specific release schedule. I just work on the video as long as it needs to be worked on to make it good. Although I do have schedules now more often because every video has a sponsor to attached to it and they have a deadline. Um, but so that that's kind of my only schedule. But I don't say like, oh, I need to get this video out on Monday or Tuesday or whatever. It's just whenever the sponsor wants it basically, or some if I get it done earlier, then I'll put it up earlier or I might want to say, Hey, can I do this? I might need it later, but, um, I don't worry about, I don't worry about the time of day it's released really either. I've discovered that a lot of that doesn't matter, at least in my situation, doesn't matter. Um, and I can't remember what the other one was, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, not having that extra stressor of on Monday at 10 30 AM. Like I imagine that really, that really helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And just taking the pressure off of myself to make sure the video is as good as it can be mm-hmm. really. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think this has been great. Thank you so much for <laughs> diving into everything. Um, yeah. so where should we, like, we'll send people obviously to Wheezy Waiter on YouTube, but mm-hmm. what is actually, I think I might know which one, but one <laughs> of the old videos, it was, I think it was, was it clone hard? Was that the one that you stripped it out? Is that the like, uh, yeah, that was a more that was like a short film. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, I did that with my friend Jake, who who also was the creator of Platoon of Power Squadron. So the other thing that you mentioned that I was in. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's like a nine ten minute thing, parody of Die Hard with clones, and it's <laughs> oh, it's one of my favorite things. It's probably one of the, my favorite videos I've ever done, but definitely one of my favorite of the the older, more comedy-based videos. Yeah, of that, that style. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Sort of maybe we can send people to the, the sugar video, all your new stuff, and then maybe yeah. to check out Clone Hard because that was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. good but yeah, yeah. I, I would always love when when you come walking in the other way or 
uh what is it gary and like there's other names you have for all these clones <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh well yeah it's yeah it's fun. just it's just a fun action like i wanted to do a big something that felt like an epic action so that was actually probably more like a sketch or a short film than anything else i was doing at that time mm -hmm. it's not really a good example of probably my a standard we old wheezy video i think it's a little better <laughs> but yeah I'd, I'd say go check it out yeah nice well yeah so thanks to jen and be sure to check out wheezy on uh wheezy waiter on youtube on patreon and yeah thanks again yeah. craig thanks, really appreciate thanks for it. having me yeah this is yeah. awesome i want to thank craig for joining me on this episode be sure to definitely check out his awesome youtube channel it's wheezy waiter as always this episode of starting now is brought to you by built at Built, we help you get started online. Whether you want to start a blog or a business, head on over to Built.co. That's B-Y-L-T dot C-O to get started. Built. Your website, built for you, simply. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Also, be sure to check out the YouTube version, which is my favorite version of the show. And that'll do it for this week. Again, I'm Jeff Saris. This has been Starting Now, and I'll see you next time.